Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Steel City Scoop, and I'm not going to waste any time uh, today. Ken Kinsley of Beans Ball Cards Blog is going to join me today to discuss a couple of topics that have been hot that have been hot over the weekend. Uh, so I'm going to get right into it. We've had some issues with this blog talk radio format, so I'm not going to waste any time just in case we have any more issues. So Ken, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, what's going on, Jason? How you been? I'm doing okay. A little frustrated, of course, but you know we'll we'll get through it. So like we always do. Uh, well, you'll have that. I'm I'm patient. So, um, you know we did a. You and I have done some podcasts together before, but my name's Ken. I write um, over at beansballcardblog.com is my website, and then I also do. Uh, I've been doing some videos on YouTube. I'm also on there at beansballcardblog. Surprisingly enough, um, but yeah. That's me, and I know uh, we talked about. Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty hot topic a uh, couple of days, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, I don't know where I want to start because I think they're both pretty interesting. Uh, so I'll let you pick. We have the Mark Jackson Menendez brothers card or the Baseball Hall of Fame inductions from the weekend. I'll let you go ahead and pick which we want to talk about first. You, you said basketball first, so let's go with basketball. Okay. So to give everybody a little bit of a little bit of a background on this card, um, back in 1990-91 hoops, uh, these are the cards that have kind of that silverish aluminum foil looking frame to the card. Uh, there was a card of Mark Jackson that was issued that seemed to have gone, you know, kind of undetected or under the radar for the famous or infamous people that were in the background sitting front row of the Knicks game. Uh, the two people that I'm talking about are the Menendez, Russ, Lau, and Eric uh, that are most notably known for the murder of their parents in 19, 1989. I believe it was August 1989 that happened, and then this card came out um, in 1990 for that basketball season. So it's been a pretty hot topic this weekend, like we said. Um, it's the the value of this card has absolutely shot up, but you know I think I saw you say that you were unfamiliar with the Menendez brothers. Is that correct, or did I read that wrong? No, I I know who they are. What I okay. found what what it was was I know who I knew who they were. I knew it as soon as I heard it, like what the story was. Gotcha. But I showed Miss Crystal the card, and I said, "Do you recognize these two guys?" And she knew it right away. Like she knew instantly, no, you know, no pause whatsoever. And I found that, you know, I found that fascinating because of us, I'm the one that has a much better memory. She says it, I say it. I remember just about everything, but I had no idea what these guys looked like or anything like that. I remember hearing about okay. it. Yet she had, she had no hesitation. And I think what, again, what's fascinating about that is 
How did she look at it, have no hesitation, and this have gone under the radar for 30 years? How was this not noticed when it first came out? I mean, yeah, it would have been know. fresh in people's memories. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy because, you know, we're talking, it's 2018, almost 19, and this is from 1990. Uh, so we're talking, you know, 28, 29, 30 years that a card went unnoticed. You know, a lot of people will say, well, it's Mark Jackson. You know, maybe I really wasn't even paying attention to the Mark Jackson cards, but there's a lot of people out there that look for oddities and look for things in the background. And most notably, and I don't want to get too off track with this, but in 2007, that Topps card came out of Derek Jeter that had Mantle and George Bush in the background. You know, that was noticed rather quickly. Um, some still slipped through the cracks, you know, including mine. But, you know, that was noticed pretty quickly. And that fever pitch of trying to sell it on eBay and get that quick buck, that quick turnaround from the general public had an early peak, you know, within a month. This one we're talking, not even a month, we're talking decades almost. Uh, that it went unnoticed and it looks like I've heard two different stories as to how it was introduced uh, earlier this year to the public. The Instagram post that I pulled up is from jgold50 uh, that posted it on August 9th. I've also seen that it was on Reddit. Uh, I don't know if it was the same person, you know, that did it on both places the same day, uh, but we're talking three months ago. So a few people have known about it for about three months, but you and I both know what this card was selling for over the weekend, you know, as high as $56 is what I sold. I bought mine on check out my cards about a month ago for a dollar and thought I overpaid then, you know, for a five cent, 10 cent card. But it's crazy how the sales for this have really taken off. Yeah. I mean, I just, there's just so many, again, the whole thing, there's just so many fascinating things about it. We talked about, you know, how, I wouldn't have known back then, and in 1990, I would have been an 11-year-old collector. Uh, my fiance, who, like I said, she knew him immediately, was even younger. So there's just that whole aspect of how long it went along. You had mentioned that there was some, you know, it had kind of come out a little bit in maybe August. I did hear that some people knew about the card. I saw some tweets that some people knew about it months ago and had been picking them up, I guess, waiting for this to come out so that they could turn around and sell hundreds of them almost instantly on eBay, which I'm not surprised about. I mean, you know, if you hear it and you think you're going to take a chance on it, go for it. Another card, too, that you had, you didn't mention that, and this is one that I always go back to, is I think it's like 94, 95 Pinnacle, 95, 96, something like that. There's a Sylvain Turgeon card that has young Patrick Kane in the stands with his dad like right there at the glass, and you can see him. And that card is, you know, I haven't bought it yet, even though I'm a Blackhawks fan, because it still goes in the 15 to $20 range, which still seems kind of kind of asinine, uh, no differently than this card going for, would you say, up to like $56? You know, that was one of the ones that I had seen that Darren Ravel had actually tweeted out that that was one of the high ones. Um it's still going for anywhere five to fifteen dollars, an average of ten, we'll say. But you know, lots of these. I saw a, I want to say a ten card lot was like two hundred dollars. So I would say that ten dollar price range is pretty solid. Um, you know, and I tried to record an episode yesterday that I lost the connection, and I'm kind of glad that it did because overnight, 
it came out that eBay was actually pulling some of the auctions and some of the listings that you see this. Yeah, I thought that was uh, I thought that was very interesting. Um, speculation last night of, you know, were they pulling them all? And then some were saying only if you put Menendez brothers in there. And then, of course, you know, in our very hypocritical world, and you have people going, and I understand this, are you going to pull Aaron Hernandez cards off of eBay? Right. There's his, are you going to pull Ray Carruth cards? Are you going to pull Ray Lewis? Oh, that's right. He got away with it. But you get my point. You know, where is that line drawn? If people want to buy it and pay these, you know, outrageous, ridiculous prices, let them do it. I don't I don't get what eBay's trying to accomplish here, and it seems very uh, inconsistent or selective, whichever way you want to look at it. But eBay is king, I guess. What are you going to do? You know, it's crazy to me that they're pulling some but not all. Um, you know, my wife kind of said, well, it's eBay, you know, it's their place. They can do what they want to do. I get that to a, I get that to an extent, but at the same time, you know, if it is actually true that they're pulling the ones that say Menendez brothers or Menendez or whatever you want to say, um, I don't know that I agree with that, you know, and the argument can be made, like you just said for Aaron Hernandez and Ray Carruth and all of those, you know, but as I look at eBay right now, uh, you know, the sold ones most recently sold for December 11th, some of those still say Menendez, uh, but there are some that just say brothers in the background. So maybe, well, there, uh, there's a couple active ones that still say Menendez. So not really sure what the rule would be. Um, it'd be interesting. Well, I'm thinking on that, they probably, they, they probably got up there and bought before eBay had flagged them, had gotten to them. Cause there is obviously that delay of, it going up. It's not saying you can't put that in the title. It's just right. flagging them. So there's probably some of those that are still sneaking up. So if somebody wants to do it, you can probably try it. If you price it right, you may sell it quickly enough. Um, but I'm thinking that's probably that delay or why you're still seeing some sneak through probably. It's crazy to me. Um, you know, actually Darren Ravel is going to come up a couple of times in both conversations today, just because of what's been going on. And he's been pretty active uh, posting things on his Twitter account about these topics, but he posted a screenshot of what eBay is sending to sellers that they, where they have taken down their listings. And it's interesting to me, the wording that they use, because they're very blunt about it. They're bl very blunt about the reason, one reason, but not both reasons, if that makes sense. So let me read that. You listed in the, an item affiliated with a known murderer eBay does not allow items that were owned by or affiliated with many murderers and serial killers. While we appreciate that you've chosen to utilize our site, we must ask that you please not relist in this case. So I'm kind of wondering where they draw the line where it says, does not allow items that were owned by or affiliated with many murderers and serial killers. So I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but you know, it seems like they are, separating murders into different categories based possibly on the crime or what crime it was, or, you know, what, what are their guidelines for this? It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I, I mean, I guess what, when my thing is, again, it's very selective. I will also use the word hypocritical because they're allowing yeah. guys, like, they're allowing guys like Hernandez or Ray Carruth. Um, but I think the difference here is obviously it's not, something of them it's something that's associated with them 
So, I, I mean, I guess that's where they're going to try to justify what they're doing. Um, but I also find it very amusing that with all of the problems with eBay, you know, that we have in eBay and the sports card community, let alone whatever may be happening in any of these other areas that, you know, you and I don't pay attention to. Right. This is really what you're going to, this is really what you're going to focus on when you've got scams and you've got people selling fake, you know, fake autograph cards that have sold them over and over or fake, you know, re, you know, rep- selling reprints is authentic. I mean, this is what, this is what you're choosing to focus on. And it just goes, you know, and I'm just going to say this, it wasn't, but yeah, I mean, we really need a much more solid marketplace of some sort for the trading card community. Yeah, I would agree. And I don't think too many people would disagree with you. It's also interesting with this eBay uh, situation that they're pulling some and not all, you know, granted, if you want to send this out, take them all down, you know, just take this down kind of that, um, memoriam that some Facebook groups put up when it, when an athlete dies, you know, they don't want people to cash in on that death because there's, there's always a spike in that player's autographs or cards or rookies or whatever, you know, a lot of groups will put a 24, 48 hour memoriam on kind of like that kind of a ban on their items. uh, So people don't try to capitalize on that. It's interesting, you know, maybe they could have done this for, a month or a week, you know, it'd be interesting to see in a year's time if these cards are prevalent, what they're going for, and if eBay's kind of laxed up a little bit on their policies. You got to think it'll be out of sight, out of mind. You give it a week, the next big thing will be going on. People start listing them again, and eBay's not going to care anymore. Yeah, I would absolutely think so. Just, um, you know, I bought you know, one on checking my cards <clears throat> for a dollar. That's kind of where I see them going back to, you know, one to three dollars yeah. eventually so um i did check check out my card this morning to see if they had any at all what they were priced at now and they do not have any listed on their site so i don't know if they're sold out or if they pulled them to kind of be in conjunction with ebay it's interesting you know maybe i should have reached out to them to see uh, but i have a feeling they probably just sold out of them and people were kind of holding not them. yet yeah i would i would imagine i mean Let's be honest, you know, when you go and you look at eBay and you look, or I'm sorry, ComC, and you look at what, you know, is there, usually there's no more, I mean, very rarely outside of EPAC cards is there more than 75 to 100 of even the most common cards. So there probably weren't a lot. They were probably all priced, you know, with the exception of a few sellers that we know will put commons up there for $50. You know, they were all priced at a dollar or less. So, yeah, somebody probably scooped the bulk of them up all at once. So I would, like you, I, I would believe that they probably just sold and, you know, ComC let it take care of itself and they didn't have to even talk about it. Right. You know, 100% agree with you on that because I know when I bought mine, and like I said, it was about a month ago, um, a little bit before Black Friday, like I said, I paid a dollar. There were a few that were a few dollars more because the story was kind of gaining a little bit of traction, picking up steam but there were still only a handful, I would say less than 10 were available. Uh, so they weren't really prevalent on there. But like I said, you know, hopefully their problem took care of itself and they don't have to worry about it. All right. So let's take one quick break here and then we'll come right back and talk about this latest hall of fame induction. So just hang out for one second here. 
Hey, it's Max, buyer with Steel City Collectibles. If you're looking to sell your collection, sell a few cards, or sell that memorabilia collecting dust in the corner, we are buying. At Steel City Collectibles, we pride ourselves in offering the highest prices paid. We are paying top dollar for all types of items, including unopened boxes and cases, single cards, graded cards, autographs, and pre-1970 complete cards. To get in touch with one of our buyers, visit our website, steelcitycollectibles.com, and click the We're Always Buying link in the yellow banner at the top of the page. From there, you'll find the contact form to begin the process of selling to Steel City Collectibles. So blow off the dust, clean out the basement, and start making money from your collection today. All right, so topic number two today. Sorry, I'm a little rusty. It's been a month or so. I, I had to take a little bit of a break. I don't talk this much usually, but so topic number two is the Hall of Fame induction, um, or I guess the announcement of the upcoming Hall of Fame induction of Lee Smith and Harold Baines. I kind of have a lot to talk about with this, so I'm going to let you start and see what your opinion is on these two uh, honors, I guess we could say. You having an opinion on this? I mean, uh, you know, you're the baseball Shocking. guy. I'm not really, the, I'm not really the baseball guy anymore. But these guys do fall into my heyday. Where, Correct. you know, yep. I'm not as I'm not as big into baseball anymore. And to be honest, I've noticed like my even my love for most sports kind of diminishing as I get older. Um, these guys are right down my heyday. You know, these are the '80s and '90s. This is when I was a kid and a teen collecting. Uh, you know. I remember being a teenager and, you know, you go back, you know, 20 years ago and 500 home run, you know, this is the pre live steroid, whatever you want to call it, juice ball, you know, 500 home runs, you were an automatic hall of famer, 300 wins. You were an automatic hall of famer, 3000 hits. You were an automatic hall of famer. Yep. And I even remember as a teenager, and I hate that you and I weren't friends, even though we were close then, so that you could even confirm that I believe this. But I used to say, Harold Baines, if he hit 3,000, you know, when he was probably at like 2,600, so probably within a year or two of the end of his career, he was going to be the one that challenged that because he wasn't a superstar. He didn't dominate the game in any season, really, uh, he was, no. you know, he may have been the guy on some of those White Sox teams that you feared, but it was because the White Sox weren't very darn good. Right, you know, and I he thought, was the guy before Frank Thomas, to, you know, not to cut you yeah. off, but Frank Thomas kind of, to me, Frank Thomas made people forget about Harold Baines, but I'll let you keep going. But even, and, and I don't remember if, it, you know, you said Ravel's going to come up again, and it might have been him, and I agree with this statement. This guy's a Hall of Famer. When I was opening cards in 87, 88, 89, and I was putting guys in soft sleeves, I wasn't putting the Harold Baines cards in there. You're still in my thunder today, buddy. Uh, well, hey, you told me to go first. <laughs> and between, well, us, you and I have, between us, you and I have one brain, so you kind of should have expected that. So let's clarify what you just said on, on your sleeve, your soft sleeve comment here. Darren Ravel actually put out a tweet yesterday linking to his article, Harold Baines doesn't pass the Hall of Fame sniff test. 
And in that article, he had five rules, uh, basically, for his sniff test for a Hall of Famer. And I actually tweeted out number two yesterday because it, you know, it struck a nerve. It, you know, hit me in the heart that it was like, man, that is the best argument I've ever heard comparing cards to the actual players. And here's what the rule was, and you kind of said it in a, in a summary there. Rule number two for Darren Ravel's sniff test was a Hall of Famer who played in the 80s is someone who, when you got his baseball card, you at least put it in a plastic sleeve. Harold Baines was always a common card, one no one particularly cared about. So that first sentence where you said you at least put it in a plastic sleeve, there's a few people that could fall into that category. Molitor, Robin Yount, Brett. To me, those guys are Hall of Famers, but they never made it into the plastic sleeve for me. But they were at least in contention. Harold Baines was never in contention for any plastic sleeves. I I agree totally. And I mean, and I could even separate, you know, I didn't necessarily put everything in sleeves as a nine-year-old, but I had my box and I had a box that, you know, I had sorted by player and it was my star players. And I had Molitor, I had Yount. You know, I had those guys. I, I didn't have Harold Baines in there. I, you know, I, you know, I don't want to besmirch this. And one of the biggest things, one of the biggest frustrations with me, and I think you either liked this or retweeted it, is I hate for this man to see the things that are being said and written that like diminish what he did. I hate that for him. Does he pass that test as a Hall of Famer? I don't think so, but he had 2,800, you know, he did, and I know that these numbers were over time, but, you know, any, any way that you want to be critical, potentially, of Harold Baines, are you going to go back and put that same test to every Hall of Famer that's already in there? I mean, there are so many Hall of Famer. To me, if you have to think, if you have to think about whether they're a Hall of Famer, they're not a Hall of Famer. That's the way it should be. You know, I heard someone else say, I saw on Twitter, I saw someone that I follow and I talk with a lot say that they didn't, they'd never even heard of Harold Baines. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, you know, and, but they're younger. I get that. But there's, I don't know how many Hall of Famers, got to be a couple hundred. How many of those Hall of Famers have they never heard of either? So you can't use, that yeah, on him true. if you're not going to use it on other players. And again, I know there are executives and you know, those things there are, are, are Negro League stars. So, you know, those guys maybe I'm not going to say, but there are other guys out there, and I know this hurts you, but I feel like the one before that people question a lot was Mazeroski. Oh, that doesn't bother me. I don't At think least, he's all well, because it was it was your you know and it's your boys, but you know yeah. kind of is he is kind of known for that one moment. And I'm not I don't know enough about his career to actually sit here and argue one way or the other. But I also think we I think that most people would agree that the Baseball Hall of Fame this isn't watering down the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's been watered down for a while. Yeah, to a degree. Um, you know, to clarify some of the stats that you threw out there. Total hits for Harold Baines, 2,866, 384 home runs, and 1,628 RBIs. So he doesn't hit the 3,000 hits. He doesn't hit the 400 home run mark. 
but definitely close. You know, the hits, mm, maybe, like you said, one or two seasons, depending on how many games he played. Um, his last season, he only played 32 games. So it might have taken him a couple of years to get there. I would have a better argument for him uh, if he had made it to that 3,000 than against him. But I guess the one thing that bothers me the most is he was on the ballot five times uh, for the Baseball Writers Association, just the normal Hall of Fame ballot. And his highest percentage ever was 6.1%. You know, and for those ballots to get into the Hall of Fame, you have to have 75% of the vote. He's nowhere close. I mean, if we're talking 55 or 60, and then he gets in at, with the Veterans Committee, okay, you kind of kind of let that slide. But 6%, I mean, as much as it hurts me to say this, we're talking Bobby Bonilla numbers. You know, Jay Bell is kind of in that same ballpark. You know, those guys definitely are not Hall of Famers. And then the argument can be made for Fred McGriff who has better numbers than Harold Baines all around, and he still isn't in yet. So it's it's a tough one, you know, and like you said, you hate to see somebody bashing a player for what they did, you know, especially on the happiest day of his career, most likely. Don't think he deserves to be there, but I'm happy that he is in there, you know, and it, it's kind of cool that, hey, I can get a Hall of Fame rookie card for three or four bucks, and I can get a graded one for 2025. You know, that's always – a nice little add to a lot of uh, baseball collections out there. You know, so and I look at it, I'm, I'm on, I'm on baseball reference. And I, the thing I love about that is awards. And again, I'm not here because I feel I don't like the people that are just completely bashing him, but let's be, he's a six time all-star six times over a 22 year career. Right. His highest MVP was his highest MVP like ranking was ninth. And you know, for me, you know who my first favorite player was. And I, so I do have to say it. How is this? How is Harold Baines in the hall of fame? And you know, it's funny. We, we were going to talk about this and I, I didn't see my, I saw myself more on the positive side and I guess I'm getting to the negative side, but you know that Dale Murphy was my favorite, my very first favorite. And that dude, dominated the 80s and you know MVPs and all-stars shorter career and he's not in the Hall of Fame I just it's but you know what it's subjective it's it's always going to be subjective and I didn't know enough about the way that you vote for Hall of Famers until a few weeks ago somebody sent me something and it's kind of a weird how the veterans committee. And then I guess there's a lot of years where you can't even, you're not even eligible then to go in or some weird, I I don't understand it. It seems like a very convoluted messed up system. I'll be honest. I don't even exactly know what the veterans committee criteria is as far as voters go. I know that there were only 16 people that voted. uh, So it's not a very big crowd, obviously. So 75% of that would have been 12. It's kind of hard to say that somebody's in the Hall of Fame because I got 12 votes. You know, I know it's 12 out of 16, but I got 12 votes, man. Like 12 out it's of 16. It's a very small sample size, and all it takes. Yeah, it's crazy. A few, a few, a few buddies or some guys that played with him, and you know, by all right. accounts, he is a great guy. So you have a few guys that were teammates or friends of teammates. You know, I don't know. I mean, 
the end of the day, what matters is he's now going to be in the Hall of Fame. Love it. Hate okay. it. Yeah. It is. Definitely. So the other guy is Lee Smith. Um, I think we could both agree that he makes a better case for the Hall of Fame. Still, uh, still a tough one for me. Um, give you a couple stats real quick. Lee Smith played 18 seasons, totaled 478 saves. So that puts him third all time. However, second all time is Trevor Hoffman with 601. So a huge difference as far as total number of saves with 123 difference between the two. Uh, the one thing I will say, Lee Smith played four years where he barely recorded any saves. I think four years he got 10 total. So that kind of drops his average down to 14 years for 478. So a better average or ooh, maybe right in line with Hoffman. But to me, looking at the numbers, I think, you know, top three have 652, 601, 478. I think maybe that 500 saves would be equivalent to 500 home runs. You know, that's that's kind of your benchmark for your automatic induction. It's not automatic, but of course that's in the mindset of people that's an automatic induction into the Hall of Fame. What do you think about that? Do you think Lee Smith's a Hall of Famer? Just to give you a little uh, stat here, the highest percentage he ever received was 50.6. So what's your opinion on that? I mean, I think he is um, certainly plenty of arguments can be made against. I'm sitting here looking. I was actually a little surprised to see how low his ERA was. It's actually 303. For some reason, I was thinking that was a lot higher. Some of those earlier, you know, more in the early uh, years of what you would consider a true closer, those guys right. had higher ERAs, and I thought that he did, but it looks like he had a, you know, early on he had four of his first five years were – 291 or below. Um, I mean, I think he is. Um, I think. I think in a lot of ways, I think we know that the the closers are underappreciated no differently than in football, kickers or punters. But I don't understand why there's this opinion that you have to be the elite of the elite on a closer. You know, I mean, like, you know, you had mentioned 500 saves or whatever that number is. And right. a lot of people have that opinion that most closers don't deserve it. But then you have Harold Baines, who was a DH. You know, so, I mean, why does, you know, why does somebody that, if he was, you know, and Baines was a first baseman, I guess, as much as anything, you know, if he wasn't a DH, he was a first baseman. Well, where would you have ever put him in the power ratings on a year-in, year-out of first baseman that concerned you? But Lee Smith was one of the dominant closers for, you know, more than a decade. So I think that he is. Um, I mean, I can see why arguments are against. And, you know, he definitely wasn't as dominant as he, as he went on. Maybe if he had shut it down three to four years sooner, maybe it would have actually made his case better. It's not like we haven't, you know, been able to say that about guys before. Right. I think you made a good point. If he had – so the first two years and the last two years are really kind of what dropped his saves per year average down. Um, but like you said, maybe if he had ended his career just a little bit sooner, it would have made that average better, make everything look better, uh, just because you're taking less seasons into account. I don't have as much of a problem with Lee Smith as I do with Harold Baines. 
you know, but from the, like I said earlier about Baines, from the collector standpoint, it's pretty neat when you can add a Hall of Fame for a few bucks or a Hall of Fame rookie autograph, you know, whatever for a few bucks. And luckily for me, you know, I was able to pick up a Baines and a Lee Smith earlier this year just because they were cheap. And so I already have those in my collection. So it's pretty cool. Aren't they both 81, aren't they both 81 tops as well? Um, Baines is 81 tops and Fleer. Lee Smith is 82 Fleer tops and Donruss. Okay. Yeah, so just a yeah, year off. They both, they both kind of played. I guess I didn't realize Baines played all the way until 2001. Holy yeah, I didn't cow. even think it was that long. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I so I wanted to eighty. Yeah, and actually both of them were, were Chicago. One, of course, was the Sox, and Lee Smith started with the Cubs. So uh, that city, it'll be interesting to see what teams they pick for the Hall of Fame. I think Baines, no doubt, is going to pick the White Sox. Uh, but uh, Lee Smith, it'll be interesting. I think, to me, he's a Cardinal, opposed to anybody Did else. But Do they get to pick? I thought the I thought the Hall of Fame chose that. No, the players get to pick. Maybe I'm thinking of football. Maybe that's where it is. Okay. I mean, I I, so, I mean, that's just my opinion. Really? I think okay. we missed the cup, but we'll see. Uh, but remember, I'm a couple years older than you, and in a case like yep. this, that can make all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to let you go. Um, like I said, I have to do something at 2 o'clock today. Did forget to ask you one important question about that Menendez card, though, with the, with Mark Jackson. Did you yourself pick one up, and do you? and if not, do you plan on adding it just for the sake of – uniqueness i didn't but if it gets down to some time where i'm picking up you know if i think about it you know i hear mark jackson's name or something comes up and i can get it on com c a year or two down the road for right. a buck or two i will because as i've pared down my collection over the last couple of years the things i put in the binders i want to be something that make me think of something i don't want to have something just to have it and I'm going to remember just this whole, you know, circus over the last few days every time I look at that card. No differently than when I look at – I'm going to have a thought when I look at that 88 Greg Jeffries, that 89 Fleer Bill Ripken. You know, it is going to evoke a memory. And for a lot of us, especially that I consider true collectors, that's what cards are about is a memory or something that goes along with it. So – if it's ever reasonably priced, I will definitely add one to the binder. And I think it's I think it's cool that, you know, there's a story attached to this card forever. And it's unfortunate for Mark Jackson that this will probably be the most noteworthy card he ever has. But at the same time, from the grading standpoint, it'll be interesting to see going forward, if you get one graded, what the label says. If it says Menendez Brothers, because I believe mm-hmm. – the Sam Vincent card from this set that has Jordan in the foreground with the number 12 jersey instead of 23. I believe that one, if you get it graded, it says something about Jordan on the label. Uh, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how PSA, back at SGC, how they treat this going forward. I'm sure that'll be inconsistent, as is their, uh, as is their modus operandi anyway. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be different year to year, I'm sure. So... All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today. Like I said, I'm going to try to end this by 2 o'clock, and I promise you, you know, a half an hour time slot. So I'm going to let you go. I'm sure we'll get you back on the show here very soon. Um, I appreciate it. Go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you one last time, and then I'll let you go. 
Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to come back anytime you need somebody. But uh, you can find me. Uh, Twitter is where you'll probably find me the most. I love to talk about cards on there. I'm at Beans B Card Blog. Uh, my website's BeansBallCardBlog.com, and you can also search me there on YouTube. I'm trying to get a little bit better about putting out some more video content there. Uh, that's a, definitely a community that I think a lot of people in the hobby don't know about that there are a lot of good, uh, there are a lot of good channels on there that are card related. So, uh, maybe come check it out sometime. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for being on the show. We will talk soon. Talk to you later. Hey football fans, want to win some free stuff? Test your football knowledge and submit your entry into Steel City Collectibles' Guess the Score contest. That's right, every Thursday we're giving away some pretty cool football cards just by guessing the score correctly to the Thursday night NFL game. Check out our Twitter feed and follow us on Twitter at SCC Trading Cards for your chance to win. Find the banner that we post every Thursday to submit your entry. All entries must be submitted by 8 p.m. Eastern. Good luck and may the best football fan win. All right, the last thing I wanted to talk about today was the 2018 Topps Transcendent Collection Baseball release that's coming out later this week. Um, the biggest release of the year, definitely as far as the price tag goes, um, it's 100% for that high-end collector. Steel City Collectibles is actually going to have four group breaks that are guaranteed to break on each day uh, beginning on Thursday. I'll give you those times here in just a second, but I want to give you a rundown of what's in this set. Um, just under... $28,000 for a hobby box. But like I said, we will have group breaks uh, scheduled this week. We'll have four total. Included in each box is one complete set of 50 transcendent icons, base cards, one complete set of 83 origin sketch reproductions, 50 transcendent collection autograph cards, at least two one of one autograph cards guaranteed. Every autograph will be sequentially numbered to 25 or less. There are a couple of new additions this year, including a one-of-one one Mike Trout through the years autograph card, one of those in every box. One-of-one one auto patch or cut signature relic book card. Uh, that is also new, one of those per box. There's a one-of-one one transcendent moment sketch card, a one-of-one one oversized cut signature card. Both of those are one per box. There is also a brand new one of one autographed 1952 Super Fracture. That is a new inclusion this, this year as well. Um, and then if you, of course, buy the Hobby Box, you will get the VIP event invitation included with your box. Some of the pictures on the sell sheets show autographed Sandy Koufax's Mike Trout. There's a Clemente cut signature, Aaron Judge, Derek Jeter, all of the typical tops players that you can expect to find in most autograph sets. Uh, like I said, we will have four group breaks this week, uh, beginning on Thursday. Keep you those times here in just one second. December 14th, or excuse me, on Friday, said Thursday, but it's actually December 14th on Friday. First one's going to be at 3 o'clock. There is a second one on Friday the 14th at 10.30 p.m., there's one on Saturday, 12.15 at 10.30 p.m. and as well on Sunday at 10.30 p.m. So 
Friday at 3, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 10.30 p.m. All times are Eastern. I would expect most of these to sell out. Um, it will kind of depend, you know, this it's the time of the year, the holidays, and the people are spending money in various places. So I would expect most of these to sell out or at least be very limited. Um, even if you're not participating in the break, you can find it on our Facebook group, Steel City Break Room on our YouTube page, Still City Breakroom, and then most likely streamed live on Periscope slash Twitter, uh, whatever you want to call it there. But the streams will be live at 3 o'clock, 10.30, 10.30, and 10.30 for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Even if you're not participating in the break or if you haven't bought a spot, definitely check them out. Uh, it's an interesting break, you know, the most expensive break of the year, and it's something you're going to want to see. It's something you're not going to want to miss. So tune into those. If you're not part of the Facebook group, just request to be added and we will add you. No questions asked. So different options to watch that break. Like I said, it is this weekend, the biggest one of the year. And then coming soon is the Star Wars Stellar Signatures uh, that we'll also do some group breaks on that as well. So some big stuff coming soon. Uh, like I said, I want to try to get out of here fairly shortly. Uh, we do have something going on later this afternoon that I have to tend to. So I apologize for not having a show for six weeks, six weeks to a month, uh, just a lot going on with Black Friday and then moving buildings. So I'm going to try to get back to the regular weekly schedule or at least every other week. Uh, but I appreciate you hanging in there with me and we'll be back hopefully next week with another show. So just stay tuned for that. Thanks guys. Thank you.